You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Welcome, everybody, to the Screener Squad. My name is Chad. With me today, I have Tessa. Hello. I think we're just going to tear down this wall and have an open floor plan on this podcast. Mm, I love me an open floor plan. Wayne. Hey, how's it going? And dog it. I, I also watch Property Brothers. Today, we're talking about The House, uh, which was just released on Netflix. It's a stop motion animation film hour and a half. Basically, it's an anthology. It's three short films. They all connect together because of this house. And one takes place in the 1800s. One takes place during present day. And then one takes place in the dystopian future where everything is melting. As far as a stop motion film, I thought this looked amazing. You know, I'm, I'm a sucker for any type of stop motion. I was telling a friend of mine today explaining the movie, but I love seeing the little imperfections, the frame by frame bits, like when they're walking on a carpet and you can see their feet move. But you also see impressions of like either hands or fingerprints or something that was used to manipulate that body part for the next frame. And you can always see it when an appendage gets close to the set or maybe a prop. It's not meant to look perfect. It's it's a very rudimentary way to film something because you're essentially just taking 24 pictures, throwing out one second of film. That's essentially what a film camera does. But with stop motion animation, it catches those imperfections in such a cool way. And depending on the art, you know, we were before the podcast, we were talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. Same thing with that is when you see close ups of the characters Frame by frame, you can just see little imperfections happening because these artists and model makers are trying to manipulate these puppets for the next shot. And I don't know. I'm a sucker for this type of stuff. Yeah, stop motion is my shit. I love all that fake fire, like the effects for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the with the yarn and the 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 filament and the little, uh, yeah. It was polyfill. Uh, like, it was yeah. just like yeah. dyed. It's not CG. How do you do that? Just dyed like polyfill and like roving. Yep, you just pluck up a little and pluck up mm-hmm. a little and push some day up. Yeah, they the cha- the first segment, they're basically needle felted articulated dolls and they're kind of based off of these like creepy little cheruby dolls that my grandma used to have. The little beady yes. eyes and the big long faces. Yes. I but- thought that's just how Caucasian people looked back then. Oh god. Well, that too, but yeah. No, like uh, stop animation is my shit, too. I made some claymation stop animation in high school because that's what you do when you're bored and have a camera. You must have had a lot of time. I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. No Um, offense to your personal life. I'm just saying, like, it takes so much time to do stop motion animation. I've never tried to attempt it only because it seems so daunting. It's rudimentary, yet super meticulous. So this... The very first one, the mouth movements on them are really subtle. I think if I had to have any sort of criticism on it was like I almost 
couldn't tell if their mouth was moving. But there was a great moment where the dad's eye had like a slight twitch. I mean, some of it is acting on the characters is very subtle in that first one. I found it weird. I'll just say overall, like I I, I dug (laughs) this like it's it's billed as a dark comedy. I definitely feel like it is. It's not like laugh out loud. Ha ha ha. You know, every two seconds funny, but it's got some humor in it. It has something to say. But the first part, like you said, Tessa had these dolls, essentially these yarn dolls, human yarn dolls. The second one, it's a world of rats and mice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's like the rat world from Dinner with Schmucks. Yes. Yeah. And then the third one is Cats, not the musical and not the movie musical that made the original musical worse, Mm -hmm. but just Cats. Yeah. Anthropomorphic Cats. Cats should have been stop motion. I knew it. That's see, that's what they did wrong. Should we talk about the thread between all three of these? Luane, I'm putting you on the spot. That was the same house. It was the same house. It was. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, because the one it's the dollhouse as well in the Mm -hmm. first one. And then it's the house in the other two. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I realized, because I really didn't care for the the middle story, mostly just because it grossed me out, not because it was a bad story. But I was trying to figure out, well, there's no other way to put that, right? This this movie is in three acts, and it uses a three-act structure. So you have the buildup of the story. You have the second act, which then ends on the lowest point, And then you get to the end. The third act actually has a positive sort of climax. There is a suggestion of something positive happening. So they had to be in the order that they're in, because initially I'm like, I don't know where I put that middle one, because I just I mean, there's bugs, man. And I just (laughs) and and the mice themselves, like the initial mouse, the one that we spend most of the time with. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. It's a cute little anthropomorphic like mouse. It's cool. You know, Stuart Little looking thing. But then they start bringing in other mice and then you realize that, oh, this is just like the real world. Not everybody looks the same. And some of them look kind of nightmarish. <laughs> Aside from the house being the common thread, there's this thing that runs through it about what makes a home. Not just the house, but the home. Because, you know, in the first one, you have this couple who are given the option of they live in this little hovel that everybody in their family looks down upon. They have the option of getting this amazing house. Just free. There's come live in it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. There's always a catch. Right. There's always a catch. But this one, you can see the characters, particularly in the children that they have recognizing, though they don't articulate it as bluntly as I have. This is not a home. This is just a house. It's a place with a bunch of rooms. Our home is that little thing out there in that field. And then you have the second one where you've got this mouse who's obsessed with remodeling this house and selling it. He's going to flip this thing. And how detached he is from everything he's doing, that he's become so focused on this other thing, he loses track of everything else. And then the third one, you have this element where it's the same sort of thing. Stop worrying about the house. Pay attention to what that house represents. Look at all the home that you're missing because you're obsessed with this house part. And so... I realized partway through, I'm like, oh, this is why they have to be in this order and this is what they represent. I was kind of amazed because initially I was just, wow, look at the stop motion. I could never do that. I don't have the patience. I'd be mad about all those little imperfections that you talked about. <laughs> oh, I love it. 
it's a thumbprint. It's the the human element is still there, even if you don't see it. I I looked at this anthology series. It's basically like Aesop's fables. You know, you have a bunch of animals and you're learning. Uh, there's like a moral in each one. Like the first one is like, you don't own your stuff. Your stuff owns you kind of thing with the parents being obsessed with materialism. And then the second one is just a Kafka's metamorphosis. Um, this contractor slowly spiraling out, um, as it were, and all these bugs. And then the third one, as Luane said, was someone just not appreciating what a home actually is. It's the memories you have with the people that matter to you. And she was so focused on the building and not the people. Each one has like a nice little like moral or story. And I think, I think it's a good collection. Yeah. Yeah. Of nightmare fuel. Sure. I don't think it was as nightmare feel as I thought it was going to be. Even the, the happy ending one. Like, there was like 10 minutes before the happy ending. It was like, oh, this is going to be so fucked. <laughs> I, I definitely think that middle one is like, Luane doesn't like the bugs, but I think that's the most like, Ugh, yes, out of all of them. Well, when they introduced the other two mice, mice, right? Yeah, rats, yeah sure. Mice. When they introduced those other two mice, who um, I think that's the most delicate way I can put this. They looked fucked up. Yeah. They looked like um, mice you'd see in Houston. (laughs) I'll have to take your word for it, but all right. The movie is, how do I put this? It gives you goosebumps at points. Yeah. Some good (laughs) ones and some not. (laughs) It will haunt my dreams for a while. Interstitched with that is, like Tessa was saying, these morals or these fables. Uh, I really like the first one with the two kids Especially once they like figure out their parents. Well, at least the older child figures out her parents aren't well, and basically is taking care of her baby sister. He starts talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like those two as like junior detectives going yep. around this huge house that keeps changing for whatever reason. You know, it's either the contractors or it's the house. You're never quite sure. The architect. There's, like a- There's the the weird architect who. His vision, he wanted to see it done. It, I think we're supposed to think the architect is like the devil or something. It seems like something it, yeah. like that. Well, yeah. it, it essentially was a pact with the devil. Like, hey, I'm going to give you this free house and you can you don't have to do anything in return. You know, Man, we got to blame the devil all the time. Maybe it was God. Well, devil, God, a demon. I, it's a crossroads deal. Yeah? Two sides of the same coin. Well, yeah, because they only have to give up everything. Right. Like yeah. even when they they take their few meager possessions to the house, they're like, well, we really hadn't planned on you having any of your stuff, but we'll just put it down here in the basement where it'll be safe mm-hmm. for now. How weird would that be to move out of your house, go to this giant house and then in the basement you find an exact replica of what you left? Creepy. And what what's even creepier is they both stayed there. The the two children for a moment right. in the story just because they needed some sleep, you know, and like I found I found that more unsettling than anything hmm. in that first one. But I also liked going to the end. Yeah, it, it's a dystopian future and there's really no hope. It's either. Well, I can either face it and acknowledge it or I can deny it and let it wash over me. Literally. Yeah, the ending isn't great, but at least it's optimistic Mm -hmm. i don't mean great like quality wise i mean like upbeat yeah there's still a bunch of water everywhere yes 
Still water Something's world. happening, and it's not stopping. Yeah. Water, water everywhere, not a drop of drink. <laughs> well, and it's cats, too. Like, who <laughs> hates water more than... I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. There's layers to this shit. <laughs> it's like an I, onion. Look, it was... It was well thought out. This is a good, solid entry. I shouldn't say entry. It's not like Netflix has never done anything before. But Netflix has a habit of just making a bunch of stuff, throwing it on the platform and seeing which sticks, which fine. That's their business model for now. So it's nice to see when something sticks well, at least in this genre of film. At least this isn't a three episode series that like a week later, they're like canceled. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Were there well-known voice actors in this? Uh, Helen Bonham Carter was the calico, cat, the calico, yeah, mm-hmm. the hippie calico. They were all hippies. <laughs> That's why that cat was sexy. That explains everything. <laughs> well, and it was a calico too. Yeah, yeah so. she was Jen, Matthew Good, Claudia Blakely. I mean, these are all British. Will Sharp, Susan Wakoma. Yeah, I mean, I don't know these people too much, so I, and I don't know. I have a friend that always complains when an animated movie comes out and they always cast like five A-list actors that may be good at voice acting. Sure. But there's a hundred other voice actors yep. that could have been just as good or better. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, I'm glad they're, I mean, Helen Bottom Carter, she's, I don't think she's A-list, but she's a working actress that has been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really I'm good. I'm sorry, sir. When you're in every Tim Burton movie, <laughs> that classifies you as a list. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if you married the director or not. Ooh, not even a little bit. <laughs> Salt. But but I I do like the fact that it's kind of a quote unquote no name cast. Like I saw Sing Two recently, and it's a great movie, but you definitely know who's playing who, right? Because they're super famous celebrities, you know? Well, that's one of the good things about the cast in this one is you're not distracted by, oh, that's, oh, that's. I mean, yeah, it's Helena Bottom Carter, but. I mean, we're not distracted. We should ask some people in the UK. It's like, oh, this piece of shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Maybe they all know. But like, there wasn't a point where I was like, oh, or I was even trying to figure out who was what. I was just watching the thing. Plus, it's kind of hard to take your eyes off a lot of it because it's just it's amazing to look at, even if it's horrifying. The detail in just everything was amazing. Just like the floorboards, the carpets, the cornices. And I moved a lot growing up and lived in a lot of different houses. And I was a bit of an architecture nerd. So I was just sitting here kind of geeking out. And also, like, I like miniatures and making puppets. So, like, this kind of hit a lot of, like, like notes for me. And Dog gets a puppet, so he should be. Mm-hmm. I, I admit, when I saw the walking, I felt a little bit sensitive. Like, oh, <laughs> damn it, they captured me correctly. <laughs> Let's wrap this up and uh, get out of here and let these fine folks go watch this movie. Let's start with Luane. Man, it it looks good. It sounds good. It's it's well put together. It's well acted. I'm, I know that's sort of an odd. I don't know what else to call it, though. Right. Articulated. Vocal, articulated. Sure. I always admire any sort of stop motion because I absolutely don't have the patience to even consider doing it. And I, I the imperfections would drive me crazy if I was the one doing it. I love looking at them otherwise. But if I was one doing it, oh, no, I've smudged this thing. It's not an Ardman. This is not a cute cartoon. This is this is meant to be artistic and 
and to actually make you think. And yeah, I think it's it's like Tessa said. I think there's a lot of a lot of fable to it, and there's a lot of morality play to it, and it's a really smart thing. And just talking about it has actually raised its rating slightly higher for me. Um, so I'm going to give it four out of five throat songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really liked the house. Um, it had great lighting, great voice acting. I'm always kind of curious about the scale of the characters and sets. I would love to see like a making of of this. There's so many shows at Netflix and HBO Max and everything where they do like a making of and I really kind of don't care. <laughs> but something like this, I would have a, a deep interest in like kind of the behind the scenes. I would say that this is is a really strong entry, as y'all were saying, uh, to Netflix's uh, vast roster. It's really hard to do a stop animation that hits all the beats of being well articulated, having good actors or voice acting, and just like keeping the story going and not hitting like a weird lull, because a lot of stop animation does that. Um, I definitely think this pulls from Jan Schwenkmeier. He did some really disturbing stop animation. It's kind of like it's kind of like that and Fantastic Mr. Fox meets like Cottagecore Black Mirror. I think that kind of sums it up. And it's really just kind of creepily delightful. I'll I'll just leave it at that. I'm gonna give this eight out of ten restraining orders from my dentist. <laughs> Dog it. Dog it. Oh, sorry. Man, I gotta follow that. Come on. Okay, let me put my street knowledge to good use. Uh, let me crack my knuckles first. Oh, I love this film. It's creepy as fuck. It, it kind of scares me a little bit. I'm probably going to add this to my October rotation and probably rainy days. It's just uh, it, it's also one of the most important aspects of any film. Uh, I don't think it gets talked about enough is uh, this film has a good vibe. Every segment, the vibe stays the same, even though they're drastically different stories. Even like different types of, maybe not different types of animation, but like they do, they they feel different to an extent, even though they feel the same. <laughs> I'm not making sense because Tessa uh, is more eloquent than I am, but I'm just going to say that uh, you should watch this movie if you're interested, interested in stop motion and creepy shit. Uh, and that's all I'll say. I'm going to give this eight out of 10 roaches. I'm with you, buddy. Uh, Not that kind. What what am I supposed to think he's talking about? Jeez. Uh, Very good stop motion animation. We've said it. I hope that this does well enough where there doesn't need to be a sequel, but like another stop motion anthology theme thing by this same group. I would definitely get behind. I think overall, this is probably one of the better stop motion animated movies I've seen in a while. And not that it's, you know, they're not made every day, at least well. So I haven't seen a ton recently, but thinking to some of my favorites, this definitely kind of is in the same notch. Really don't have much more to say about it other than I, I like good, creepy horror. I love dark comedy and stop motion animation is great. So this try force combo here was perfect. I'm going to give it eight out of 10 uh, couch cushions. Do we know who the production um, studio is for this? I'm just curious if we can put it in the comments. Nexus Studios. Nexus Studios? Okay. Nexus Studios. I'll be keeping an eye out for more things from them then. 
I'm going to follow them on Instagram. They're Nexus Stories. They're on the Instagrams. Oh, awesome. yes. They have behind the scenes stuff. Glorious. Oh, follow follow awesome. them on Instagram. Get out of that IG, people. <sighs> and I'm saying IG like I'm 23. Hell yes. Like I know what I'm talking about. 